You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. everything to be where it needs to be. He will supernaturally make things happen that you can't make happen. Now, you can go before him. You can say, wait here, Lord, I got some business to attend to and probably bumble it up somehow and get yourself in a heap of trouble. But if we allow the Lord to go before us and prepare the way like he does, like Solomon was doing, then we will find success. And we won't take the glory. We shouldn't. We better not. It's all God's glory. Following the Lord is not always an easy road, but it's a road worth driving down. In today's passage, as Pastor Dave continues teaching through 1 Kings, you'll learn that trusting in God is a much better choice than trusting in yourself. The Lord goes before and prepares a better way than you ever could. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 5 as he continues his message, Fulfilling David's Dream. apply only to church. It applies to your family as well. I mean, the rest of the psalm talked about children, didn't it? Talked about families. It applies to your families. Can you save any one of your children? I don't think so. Can you make your children live the life that you want them to live? I don't think so. Can the Lord save your children? Can the Lord get your children to live the life they're supposed to live? Absolutely. See, that's a house, building a house with kids. That's a house, unless the Lord builds the house. They that build it labor in vain. We struggle so much with all these things. I mean, you could put finances in there. You could put all these other kinds of things that we struggle so much with. Unless the Lord builds the house, you are laboring in vain. If you decide to take it, how many times do you get in some sort of trouble that you go, all right, Lord, I got this one, and you jump in with both hands, And it becomes a mess. The Lord says, unless I build the house, you're going to labor in vain. And the Lord's going to let you labor in vain. He's going to let you get sweat on your brow. He's going to let you get callous on your hands. He's going to let you get a broken heart. He's going to let you get tired, weary, and all these things. If you're not trusting in him. Whoever, David or Solomon, understood this. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that build it labor in vain. Beautiful situation. And when you do that, when you take a step back, man, he goes and he runs. I cannot tell you how the Lord has provided for this church. It is the most remarkable thing I've ever seen in my entire life. How God provides for this church. And I am Blown away by how it happens. Blown away. And I'm only going to tell you one story. And it's the story of the bag of (laughs) $20,000. We had a garage sale. No, we had a garage sale, yard sale out here. And we did that to do some missions and stuff. 
And the garage sale was winding down, and I was in the, in the other room, and I was counting the receipts for the garage sale, and we had done very well. We had made almost $1,000 with our garage sale. This was a garage sale a long time ago. And Pastor Frank, our worship leader, comes walking in. He's got a, pla- he's got a paper bag, just a brown paper bag. And you can see it was full of something, and his eyes are like this. His eyes are as big as half dollars. And he comes walking into me, and he just pops it on my desk. He leaves. He goes, what are you doing? What is this, lunch? He just, he couldn't, he just walked away. And I opened it up and looked in. It was $20,000 in cash. $20,000 in cash. To this day, I don't know who gave it to me. I don't want to know who gave it to me because I know the Lord gave it to us. $20,000 in cash. I know I counted it. Out of nowhere. I said, what, did a black limo pull up and the guy got out of the car and said, here, take this? Was his name Guido? I mean, what is going on here, you know? Are we now money laundering? What is this? I was shocked. I was, what the heck is going on here? It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Amazing thing. Did you ever try to deposit $20,000 in cash in a bank? You got to fill up paperwork. I mean, they're taking your fingerprints, they're holding up against the wall, you're filling, I mean, this is crazy. Amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'll tell you this much. It happened again. See, when God chooses to do a work and you let him do the work, he will use people, places, and things to accomplish what he wants to do. Now, he put that on someone's heart to do that. And I don't know who that person is, but I praise God for that person who took what the Lord had given him or her, and they gave it to us because God had told them to, and that's a beautiful thing. But see, God provides supernaturally. That's a supernaturally occurrence. And that's how God works. That's how God works in our lives. When we allow him to build the house, it's his house. Whose house is it? How many times have I stood before you and said, this is the Lord's house? It's his house. It belongs to him. You belong to him. You don't belong to me. I have the honor and privilege of being the pastor here. And believe me, it is an honor and privilege. But you belong to God. And woe if I treat you wrongly. I have to answer to God for you. God is doing a mighty work. And if you don't see it, get in tune. Get in touch and watch him. Watch him work. Watch and see what he does. And I told you before, the greatest suggestion I ever had, the greatest thing I ever was told as a pastor was to be a spectator. I love watching God. I love watching God. He rewards our faithfulness. He rewards our faithfulness. I have been told that teaching the word of God doesn't work anymore. I've been told in a meeting that teaching the word of God may have worked someplace else. It doesn't work down here. And my comment was, you mean to tell me that the word of God is different someplace else than it is here? I don't buy that. We will never stop teaching the word of God. We will never stop relying on Jesus Christ. We will never stop teaching about the Holy Spirit. We will never do that as long as I pastor this church. It's not going to be done. I've seen him do too much. You are the results of that. But anyhow, Solomon knew this. Solomon was, see, this is the wisdom of God in Solomon's head. He knew this. He knew that if God wanted this house built, God was going to build it because he was going to supply everything he needed. Doesn't scripture says that he supplied all we need for life and godliness in who? Jesus Christ. 
He's given us all riches in Christ Jesus. He's given everything we need. God continues to supply for us. He knew this. Let's look at 7 through 12. So it was when Hiram heard the words of Solomon that he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord this day, for he has given David a wise son over his people. Then Hiram sent to Solomon, saying, I have considered the message which you sent to me, and I will do all you desire concerning the cedar and the cypress logs. My servants shall bring them down from Lebanon to the sea. I will float them in rafts by the sea to the place you indicate to me, and will have them broken apart there. Then you can take them away, and you shall fulfill my desire by giving food for my household. Then Hiram gave Solomon cedar and cypress logs according to all his desires. And Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 core of wheat as food and his household, and 20 cores of pressed oil. This Solomon gave Hiram year by year. So the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he had promised him, and there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a treaty together. Beautiful stuff here. So you see that when you follow the Lord, he will arrange everything to be where it needs to be. He will supernaturally make things happen that you can't make happen. Now, you can go before him. You can say, wait here, Lord, I got some business to attend to and probably bumble it up somehow and get yourself in a heap of trouble. But if we allow the Lord to go before us and prepare the way like he does, like Solomon was doing, then we will find success. And we won't take the glory. We shouldn't. We better not. It's all God's glory. It's all for the glory of God. And this would make Solomon very wise. He knew God was doing this. He knew God was fulfilling David's dream, not him. He knew it was God's dream too. He knew it was God's plan. When God gives you a plan, all you have to do is walk in it. And believing that God will do it. If God said it, it will be done. And it's interesting. Hiram Respected the God of Israel, referring to him in a blessing. Look at his blessing. Blessed be the Lord this day, for he has given David a wise son over. Hiram's blessing the Lord. Hiram wasn't an Israelite, he wasn't a Jew. How did he know about the Lord Jehovah? David. David was a witness to Hiram about who the Lord was. They were friends, remember? Never underestimate your friendship with others on the outside. You've heard the old phrase, you may be the only Jesus they ever see. Now, yes, we're to cut off those who have torn us down or pulled us down. If we have a problem with alcohol, we're not going to go into a bar to witness. We're not going to go in and sit around and smoke a joint with a bunch of people if we have a problem with either or if we don't have a problem with dope. We're not going to do that as a witness. But your life speaks volumes. You can't hear light, you see it. If you're the light of the world, people need to see you and watch how you operate and act in the Christian manner. The first thing they would say was, wait a minute, what's wrong with you? I remember the first thing they saw with me, well, how come you're not cussing anymore? It wasn't important anymore. I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to talk like that anymore. God takes these things away. Never underestimate this. Your witness will not return void. Also, people in business. We need to treat each other cordially and wonderfully in business because we're dealing with all kinds of publics. Unfortunately, a lot of Christian business people have gotten a bad name. Therefore, they've given God a bad name. Because in the business dealings, you need to be a respectful business person. Solomon used his wisdom given to him by the Lord in the way he treated his friends and the way he treated his neighbors. 
Likewise, we should do the same to our neighbors, showing them the love of the Lord in as many different ways as we can. What were the two commandments that Jesus gave us? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Loving these people. It's love that draws people to them. It's love that draws people to the cross. It's love that draws people in. The love that you have for them. We can all be judgmental, but a non-judgmental love is beautiful. He pays good wages to Hiram's men. 20,000 cores of wheat and 20 cores of pressed oil. A core is approximately 60.5 gallons of dry measure and 60 gallons of liquid measure. That's what a core is, so you do the math. He's giving them a lot of stuff. He's giving them a lot of material every single year. Look at 13. Then King Solomon raised up a labor force out of all of Israel, and the labor force was 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts. They were one month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the labor force. Solomon raises up a labor force, a huge labor force. He raises up to build a temple. He knows the temple is no small task. He raises these people up. They willingly come, I guess. They might have been slaves. I don't know. But it could only be built under the peace and prosperity that David had already accomplished through the Lord. If David hadn't laid the groundwork, if there wasn't peace, if there wasn't security, if there wasn't prosperity, they couldn't have built this. It wouldn't have been able to happen. So that's why us laying groundwork out there for the Lord to move, it's very, very important. And he delegates. I love it. Solomon's already a delegator. He's delegating jobs to these people. See, the leader doesn't have to do everything. The leader delegates, and he's doing these things. He's giving them a month off. He's giving them time off. He's allowing them to rest and be with their families. Very, very important. Reminds me of Nehemiah building the wall where he had each family represented. And as one family worked, the other one watched the wall. And then they would take turns. So it reminds me of that. Let's look at 15 through the rest of the chapter. Solomon had 70,000 who carried burdens and 80,000 who quarried stone in the mountains. Besides 3,300 from the chiefs of Solomon's deputies who supervised the people who labored in the work. And the king commanded them to quarry large stones, costly stones, and huge stones to lay the foundation of the temple. So Solomon's builders, Hiram's builders, and the Gebelites quarried them, and they prepared timber and stones to build the temple. Somebody said they were using slave labor. They probably had some slaves that they used. I don't know. But these stones, these quarry stones... Showed me something. Showed me that they wanted high quality material for God's home, God's house. What did that tell you? It spoke to me that always give your best to God. Always give your best to God. Don't have two things you're going to give God. One is tarnished and keep the good thing for yourself and give God the tarnished one. Always give your best for God, which is one of the reasons that I am so particular, those of you who know me, see me, at how things look, the way things are managed, the way things are in order. That's because I want to give God our best. I want to give God the very best I can possibly give him. And I want you as a sheep to have the very best that we can afford, that we can give. I want that. The worship team just doesn't get up here at the hour and start. They're in here early practicing. 
getting what, so they can give God their best, so they can present the best. Now, you might say, well, God loves whether you sing bad or not. Yes, he does, but I want him to hear me at my best. I know he loves it when I sing, regardless of how I sound, but I want to give my best to God, and why not? Did he not give his best for me? Did he not give his best for me and you? Yes, he did. So why should I give him my best? Why should I try hard? I don't get up here on Sunday morning and Wednesday evening and just teach. No, I study to show myself approved. I read the word and I let the word encompass me. We give God our very best that we have. And that was the idea of people wearing great clothes to church, basically. That was why people would get so dolled up and so dressed up when they come to church. That was the idea behind it. But sadly, it became the rule and the law that if you didn't look that way, you were shoot out. But that's why we give God our best. These stones were quality stones for this foundation was going to be laid for this beautiful, wonderful thing. The Lord deserves our best, not your second best. Don't cut corners. Don't get cheap on the Lord. He deserves the best thing. He deserves your best effort and anything you do for him. Cleaning the toilets, running a vacuum, whatever it is, we do our best. We do the very best we can possibly do because we're not doing it When you serve this church, when you serve in this church, yes, you're helping me out and you're serving, but you're serving the people, but you're really serving God. You're really serving God. He's the one that looks over. He's the one that sees you in your time. And you need to remember that. Don't shortcut God. Now, I'm going to read you these three things that Spurgeon says as we end up. And I stole these out of Gusick's study because they were so good. But there's three things here that Spurgeon says. I love what he says about this, when he talks about these stones and giving God your best. Quote, This speaks to the way we should work for God. We don't work for appearance only, but also to excel in the deep and hidden things. I want, dear friends, to urge that all of our work for God should be done thoroughly, and especially that part of it which lies lowest and the least observed by men. And when I read this, I thought of Matthew 5, 6, that let your light shine before men that they might see your good works. But we also do things that nobody sees. So a lot of stuff goes on around here that nobody sees. We don't cut corners. We still do our best for God, even during those times, just when no one's looking. We do our best for God. The second thing Spurgeon says is this speaks to the way God works in us. He works in the deep and hidden things when others are concerned with mere appearances. God never looks on appearances. He never looks at the appearance. He looks at your heart. What is the heart that you're doing things for? We have been the subjects of a great deal of secret, unseen, underground work. The Lord has spent upon us a care, a world of care. My brother, you would not like to unveil those great thirstings of the heart of which you have been the subject. You have been honored in public, and so you have had many a whipping behind the door, lest you should glory in your flesh. All the chastenings, humblings, and searchings of the heart have been a private laying foundation for greater things. All who will enter the kingdom of God must suffer. As you suffer, you suffer for the Lord. You suffer to glorify God. And finally, this speaks of the way God builds the church. He does. He wants to do a work of deep, strong foundations instead of a work a mile wide, but only an inch deep. Quote, to maintain solid truth, you need solid people. Vital godliness is therefore to be aimed at. 20,000 people, all merely professing faith, but having no energetic life, may not have grace enough among them to make a 20 solid believers. 
God will use what you give him, but I urge you to give God your best. We see Solomon doing that for the house of the Lord, and that's what we want to do, always giving the Lord our best. It's extremely important when it comes to ministry, when it comes to your life. And I encourage you, give all of your life to Jesus Christ because he gave all his life for you. He gave you everything. You lack nothing. Read Ephesians 1. You lack nothing of the gifts of promise that God has given you in Christ Jesus. Read those things. Study those things. Live those things. And when you get to chapter 4 in Ephesians, it says walk worthy. Walk worthy. Well, how? Trusting in a God who loved you that gave his only begotten son for you. Trusting in him to walk with you. And when you start to stumble, he'll carry you. He will carry you through the storm. He will do it. So Solomon now has got all his preparations for the temple. He's got everything going on. He's got stuff going. And then when we get to chapter 6 and 7, he starts to put this thing together. He starts to put this massive building together. The first temple, the very first temple, temple. There will be one more at Jesus' time. This temple will be destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar when they go into captivity. Another temple will be rebuilt. Another temple will come up. That too will be destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. But there will be a third temple. There will be a third temple when the Antichrist gives the Jews the right to build the temple. And that starts the tribulation. Starts the tribulation going to take the Jews three and a half years to build this temple. If you go on to templeinstitute.com, you can see that they already have all the elements ready. They're training young boys to be priests. Somehow they have found their lineage through DNA. I don't know. And say that they're Levitical, that they have priestly backgrounds. I don't know. But everything is in order for this third temple. It will be built. It will take three and a half years for them to build. And on the three and a half year when it is built, there will be a dedication. And they will invite this worldly guy who has given them the permission to rebuild the temple. We know him as the Antichrist. And he will come and will stand on the temple. He will go into the Holy of Holies and demand that they worship him and declare himself God in the Holy of Holies. And Daniel prophesied about this. This is called the abomination of desolation. When he says, worship me, not being God. And this sets off another three and a half years that they call the great tribulation. And at the end of that three and a half years, Jesus returns for good to set up his millennial reign. Great stuff. You got to read the book. You got to read the book. It's good stuff. So We're living in an age where a lot of this stuff is starting to happen, folks. We're living in an age where we're seeing prophecy after prophecy after prophecy fulfilled. It's an exciting time to live. It's a glorious time to live. But as long as we're here, Jesus gave us the command to occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. So we're all going to go up in the mountain and we're all going to sit around and make a campfire and sing Kumbaya until he comes. No, that's not what we're going to do. Many of you are going to work tomorrow. Life will continue on until Christ comes, until he calls us and we meet him in the air. But occupy till I come. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep loving your neighbor. Keep putting God first. Keep loving God with all your heart. You are You've been learning from the book of 1 Kings with Pastor Dave Shank on A Sure Hope. Have you ever found yourself in a place like King Solomon where the temptations of the world really had a grip on you? With all the gimmicks of the world, it's not surprising. It's also not surprising that you're not the only one. 
Many struggle with the temptation of letting worldly things lead them rather than let the things of the Lord lead. But there is hope. Just as Solomon came to recognize that all his women, wealth, and wisdom wasn't what really mattered, you too can learn that things of the world are deceiving. So rather than put your hope and faith in the things that pass away, put your hope and faith in the one who's everlasting. God is constant, he is faithful, and he will never pass away. If you missed any part of today's teachings or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you are listening, you realize that you have some questions about faith and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.